seed as we read the word of God. We're going to be reading this morning. We're going to read this morning from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. The Bible says, By faith, Abel brought a better offering than King did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Hallelujah. Another scripture that I would like us to read is in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 3 to 4, but I want you to read that at home for your own personal time. Father, we give you praise this morning for the grace, your power, and all that you're doing in our lives. I ask this morning that as we listen to your word, Lord, speak to our hearts. Meet us at the point of our need and receive all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I started preaching three weeks ago on the series Walking by Faith. And today I want to talk to you on the topic, Giving to God with Reverence. Giving to God with Reverence. I once visited a, a, a house where a little girl came to the mommy and said, Mommy, give me offerings. Then I said to the mother, why is your daughter asking you for offerings when it's not Sunday? And then the lady said, my daughter thinks that anything that is coins is offerings. I said, you see the, you see the information you're giving to your son, your daughter. She now knows that anything that is cash or coins is offerings. That is the mentality that the child has growing up. So whatever you're doing to those children, you are giving them a message. But this morning, I want us to, to consider certain things in the scriptures as we evaluate our giving to the Lord. I understand that when it comes to giving in church, people have different notions about giving. To the point that anytime you talk about giving, some people even think that the offerings that are given to the church is the pastor's money. I remember one time when I was in Cameroon, a lady always walked to me at that church. She said, Pastor, can I have 1,000 francs? I gave the lady. Next Sunday, she shows up again, Pastor, can I have 1,000 francs? I give the lady. She did that consistently, then I had to call her to the side. I said, why do you think I'm getting this 1000 that I give you every Sunday? And she said, Pastor, with all the money that you, you have in that basket, it's 1000 too much for you to give me. Because in her mind, she thought that once they give that offering like that, the dickies just bring it and pour it in my bag, then I take it home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Church offerings is not the pastor's money. As a matter of fact, I'm not paid by this church. I don't get nothing from this church. We use the offerings to pay the bills we have here. And everything that we need to do as a church. Hallelujah. So people have different notions when it comes to offerings. And people feel tense anytime they talk about giving in church. But let me let you know. The only way that God will bless you is if you give. Blessed is the one that gives than the one that receives. God has set certain principles in practice. There is a difference between a principle and a law. You can change a law, but you cannot change a principle. For example, if you want to give, you, you have to receive, you have to give. That is the principle. So if you refuse to give, you are denying yourself to receive. So whatever you think about giving, you better get your mind straight because God is about to bless you through your giving. Hallelujah. I said God is about to bless you through your giving. A couple of months ago, there was a serious argument on Facebook about tithing. 
People coming criticizing how tithe is not of God. People should not pay tithes to the church. They should give their tithes to the poor and things like use your tithes to help the orphans and the widows and all this preaching going on on Facebook. But at the end of the day, the word of the Lord stands sure. You can have your philosophies and your notions, but what is written will always be written. And what is working will always work. And I tell people that the reason why I believe and I teach what I believe is not just because the Bible says so, it's because it's working for me. I believe in it and it's working for me. And I believe that if you do it, it's going to work for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, going back to the story in the Bible about Cain and Abel, the very first thing I want to say to you this morning is that we grew up knowing that Cain and Abel were twins. But as I read the Bible, Cain and Abel were not twins. Cain was the elder brother and Abel came second. But during Sunday school, we thought that Cain and Abel were twins. We always imagined them being twin brothers. They were not twin brothers. I just thought I'd give you that information. Just like some of you know that there were three wise men in the Bible. There, there are no three wise men in the Bible. The Bible said they're wise men. There is no number in there, but there could be four. There could be five. There could be six. I don't know where we got the number three wise men. Three wise men. There are no three wise men in the Bible. Maybe because of the gifts of frankincense, gold, and milk, they think that, okay, since there were three gifts, there were three people. Five people can give three kinds of gifts. We can go to a baby shower, 100 of us, and we give diapers, wipes, and something. Does it mean there were three people in the baby shower? No. So where do we get the notion of three wise men? So the Bible says in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 4, that sometime later, Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Nothing is said about his offering. If you read the Bible, the Bible did not say that the offering was poor, the offering was good, or the offering was nice. But all the Bible says is that God did not look at his offering with favor. So meaning that anything you bring to God, God is going to evaluate what you give to him. It may even look good in the eyes of men, but God has a better evaluation of what you're going to give to him. He says sometime later, Abel also brought fat portions. This time around, the Bible mentions the kind of offering that Abel brought. He said fat portions. Meaning that as he harvests his yams, he went and selected the fat ones, the bigger ones, and brought it to the Lord as an offering. And the Bible says God looked at his offering with favor. Anytime you are giving to the Lord, always ask yourself, how is God, how is God going to look at this offering? Is it with favor? Or is he going to ignore what I'm giving to him? The Bible says God did not look at Cain's offering with favor. And Cain got so angry. And sometimes we wonder why uh, people give in church and some get offended. Or some people may look at the story of Cain and say, well, Cain is so wicked, he killed his brother. I have seen people who grumble in church, not because of their giving, but because of another man's giving. Maybe somebody stands in church and says, well, I want to pay the house rent of this church for 12 months. Somebody else who is not their money gets offended. He wants to show it. Is he the only one in that church that has money? Is he your money? Stay quiet. People get offended when somebody else gives. This is the same story of Cain and Abel. Cain gave his offering. God did not accept it. Abel gave his own. God accepted. And Cain got so angry that he killed his brother. Now the right thing to do is, if I gave my offering and it was not appreciated by God, go fix it. Instead of fixing it, he went and killed his brother. If you read the story further, God says to, to, to Cain, why are you so angry? If you do right, will you not be accepted? And then Cain conspired, told his brother, let's go into the field. And then he went to the field with his brother. 
And then death can kill Abel. There are four lessons we can learn from this story of Cain and Abel before I go on to preach. There are four lessons. Number one, your giving reveals the level of your faith. Because the Bible says in Genesis and Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel brought a better offering unto the Lord. So Abel did not just give because it was a giving time in church. He gave by faith. So whatever you're going to give to God reveals the level of your faith. Number two, your giving reveals your standing with the Lord. Because the Bible says after Abel gave, he was considered righteous because of his giving. So your relationship with God determines what you can give to God. So when you give to God, that giving does not just reveal what you have, but it also reveals the relationship that you have with God. Why do you think a, a man will buy the wife maybe a BMW sport car for a birthday gift? It reveals the relationship that he has with the wife. So the gift conveys a lot, not just the amount or the quantity. Number three, your giving determines how God will look at you. Not how God will look at the offering, but your giving determines how God looks at you. So when you're giving to God, you're actually bringing yourself before God. Say, God, look at me. How do you see me? By the giving that I'm giving. Number four, your giving speaks for you even after you're gone. There's some people that have given things that even though they've gone, people still remember them for their gifts. But there's some people who give today and tomorrow nobody can remember because your giving was just for the moment. Your giving will speak for you even when you are gone. If we are going to give to God in reverence, with reverence, you need to ask yourself three questions. Before I go to talk about this, there is a difference between reverence and respect. Respect has to do with somebody's age, somebody's maybe financial status. For example, if, if uh, the chief of our village was supposed to come here today, because he's a chief, everybody has to greet him and bow. Now, this chief may be younger than me, but I have to bow. This chief may be my mother's younger brother, I still have to bow. This chief may have been the dullest man in our primary school, I still have to bow. It has nothing to do with the chief's personality. It has to do with the throne that he's sitting upon. That is reverence. But respect has to do with maybe how somebody treats you, or how somebody behaves, or how they look, or whatever. So don't confuse respect and reverence. For example, most people respect me not because of my age. They respect me because I'm a pastor. Period. That is, all, that is the only reason for the respect. They respect me because I'm the pastor. That title alone is what causes them to respect me. Like I've gone to places where, especially when I was in, in Togo, I will go to an, a place. Sometimes we we'll go to a, a store, especially in Nigeria. The moment we enter the store, I mean, the guy notices that we are pastors. He reduces the price. Like, hey, man of God, pray for this store, bless the store. He's like, hey, man of God, I'm younger than him. But why is he so, like, man of God? It is reverence. So there is a difference between reverence and respect. Most often, people miss their blessing because they want to look at people in the flesh and give them respect in the flesh. There are some people that you don't respect them based on their age, their height, or anything. You respect them based on the position that God has given to them. Hallelujah. So respect has to do with personality. Reverence has to do with position. May I say that again? 
Respect has to do with personality and reverence has to do with position. If somebody becomes the president of this country today who is 12 years old and they are coming to Virginia and they say, everybody get off ISIS and say, will you stay on that road? Why? The president is coming. It doesn't matter his age. He's the president of this country and everybody has to get off the road. So it's either you have reverence for God or you're respecting God. But when you give to God, you're not giving to God with respect. You are giving to God with reverence based on his position. So if you are going to give to God with reverence, there are three things you must ask God. Number one, who is God to you? Because when you determine who God is to you, it is going to determine what to give to God. Who is God to you? Is God your provider or is God to you like a homeless man standing at a stop sign waiting for your change from the drive-thru? Who is God to you? Is God your father or is God a beggar that desperately needs your assistance? Who is God to you? Because who you see God to be determines what you will give to God. I read a story in 2 Samuel chapter 24 when the angel of the Lord was moving in the land because the Israelites had sinned and the angel came upon the land and was killing people. Now, a prophet came to David and said, Go to the threshing floor of Aruna, a man called Aruna, and build an altar to the Lord in that place. And when you build an altar to the Lord, it will stop the angel from destroying the land. So David went up to the threshing floor of the man called Aruna and said to Aruna, I want to buy this threshing floor so that I can build an altar unto the Lord. And Aruna said to David, my servant, my Lord, you can have the threshing floor for free and everything you want. There may be the ox, whatever you need. And this is what David said in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, verse 24. He said, I will not give anything to the Lord that does not cost me anything. He said, I'm going to buy it. I know you're giving it to me, giving it to me for free, but I can't accept it for, to, to, from you for free. I have to give something to the Lord that costs me something. Because for David, God was not just somebody looking for a sacrifice. God was more than that to David. So he had to approach God with reverence. So who do you see God to be? Who is God to you? Is God the one you walk? Then you come and tell him how your work went or is God the one that gave you the job? Is God your source or is God just somebody helping you to do what you're doing? Who you see God to be determines how you give to God. Number two, if you're going to give to God with reverence, number two, ask yourself the question, will God appreciate your gift? There are two ways people give. And I've done that myself. I've been in services where, you know these churches where they make people go out in offerings for in the line. Now when everybody gets out of the row and you're sitting there all by yourself, you know how embarrassing that can be? Maybe in these big churches where they say, come out of the line. Usher like everybody come out. So you are not even giving because you want to give. You are giving because you don't want to stay there all by yourself. So then you just find some cash in your pocket or coin, you just join the line too and you're you give your offering. It's not because you wanted to give. You wanted to give because you want to stay out of that shame. I've also been in places where they are doing fundraising. And I'm sitting there, maybe as a pastor, like in Cameroon, they say, all those 20,000, please come forward. And then I see all my pastor's friends leave the line, and they're all going. I'm like, will I stay here? Before I know it, I take an envelope. Without even knowing, I'm ready to give 20,000. We give most often like that, not because we plan it, but because 
We are just giving because I don't want to be the last in this place. So ask yourself the question, will God appreciate this gift? Even sometimes when we go for gift for places like baby showers, weddings, some people just say, well, I don't want to show up at that wedding empty-handed. Especially when I was in Cameroon. One of the things that I saw that I always preach against in Cameroon is these three breakable places for 1,000. People buy it all the time. They're passing it in a big box and they, they will dance in the wedding more than everybody. And then when you're opening your wedding gifts, you're so glad. Hey, hey. All you see is cups, plates, cups, plates, cups, plates. Because people are giving just to mark themselves present. But the kind of gift that God accepts is a gift that you are thoughtful about. Hallelujah. If your best friend was getting married, will you buy him three breakable plates for 1,000? You won't do that. But so most often we give just because we want to mark ourselves present. Or your friend's child has a birthday. You say, well, I, I don't want to go to the MTN. So you just go to Walmart. You walk through the aisles. Oh, that book is good. It's, it's only for $6.99. You buy it. The book is very big. You pass it. Then you look for something that is big. Put it in that container. Then you hold it back. And you put shoe papers everywhere. And you carry it back. Come in. And people are like, oh, auntie, auntie. Just to know all you gave was $11.99. Are you giving just to mark yourself present or you are actually giving because you have value for that person? Will your friend accept that gift from you? I always know this expectation that you have when you're opening gifts. And one of, one of the things I see is that when people are not proud of the gift they give, they don't write the names of the envelope. They just see the envelope and they cover it. Because they know that if they write their names on the envelope, I don't know how. So Noel gave me just Five dollars in my wedding. <laughs> so they won't write their names on the envelope so you won't know who gave. But when a man has given you something that he's proud of, he writes the name in capital letters from and then sign. And then they will, they will call after, hey, mommy, you see that give a gift? They have to call you to verify that you got the gift because they are proud of what they gave. Will God accept your gift if your name was on the envelope? That's the second thing you have to ask yourself if you're giving to the Lord. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3 to 5, the Bible says Solomon went to Gibeon and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord. He offered a thousand sacrifices. In those days, there were two things you could sacrifice unto the Lord. It was either goats or cows. So let's, let me bring it down. I don't want to assume it was a cow. But he offered 1,000 goats unto the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 5, that same night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. Why was God so favorable to Solomon? Because of his gifts. So your gift can attract the favor of God. Some of us have prayed, prayed, prayed. All we need to do is give more. Your gift can change your financial condition. Your gift can change certain situations in your life. I'm not just saying give to God alone or give to the church. You have to be a giver wherever you go. Give to people, give to friends, give to family. Be a giver, be generous. Because when you give, you receive. That same night, the Bible says, God appeared to Solomon and said, ask me for whatever. Because God understood that if a man can give me this quantity of gifts, then there is nothing he will withhold from me for blessing. Say, ask me for anything. If you estimate what someone gave, you price a goat. A goat, a goat in, 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 in Virginia, like you go to Haymarket or Pennsylvania, you buy a goat for at least $250 to $300. So take that multiplier by 1000 
That is how much he gave to God on a single day. And some of us have a problem giving God $100. In fact, when you give, you have to cry, you have to regret. You have to come to the place where you give to God with reverence. Hallelujah. Number three, ask yourself this question. How would this gift, how would this gift impact God or even you yourself? What impact will this gift have? Like I said, some people give you a gift that for years you can still remember that gift. There's some give you a gift that the moment you open the, 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 the gift box, the gift expires. It has no value. You start thinking, oh, this place, maybe I'll send it to the village to my aunt because you don't have any use for that place. Anytime you are giving somebody a gift, like I said, don't give somebody a gift just to mark yourself present. Ask yourself, what does he need? What does she need? How will this gift affect this family? How will this gift make this person feel? When you think about it like that, it always meets a need. Our giving is supposed to meet a need and not just marking ourselves present. In the case of Abel, even after Abel died, the Bible said his gift is still speaking for him. What he brought to the Lord is still speaking for him. And I read another story in Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to 5. A certain lady saw Jesus in a house. The Bible said the lady went and brought a perfume, expensive perfume, and poured that perfume upon Jesus. If you read Mark chapter, Mark chapter 14, verse 5, the disciples were very angry. They said that this perfume could have been sold for a year's wages. Now think about how much you make in a year. That is how much he bought and poured it on somebody's head, perfume. If I ask you to give your one month salary, maybe the Lord has to appear to some of us in the night and say, my son, I'm the one talking to you to give your salary. But this woman gave one year wages. Saved for one year everything she had, bought a perfume and poured that perfume on the, on the head of Jesus. And Jesus said, as long as the gospel be preached, this woman shall be remembered forever. Now the question I asked you this morning, what will God remember you for? What is it you've done for the kingdom of God that God can remember you for? Is there anything you've done in your life for God that if God wants to make reference about you, he can think about you in respect to that giving? One of the things that Muslims do when they are rich, and I've noticed it, all the most, most of the most that we have in the world are not built by contribution. When a rich Muslim gets Wealthy, the first thing that comes to their mind is let me build a mosque, a place of worship. So they build a place of mosque, then go to the imam and say, I'm giving you the keys. The mosque is down the street, maybe in this place. Then the imam will announce we have a new location of worship. It is only in Christianity where for us to build a church, we have to take a loan from the bank and pay for 30 years. But there are people in that same church who are millionaires. They dare not give their million to the church. What will God remember you for? What will God remember you for? Hallelujah. Is there anything you've done for God that God can remember you for? One of our pastors in Nigeria, the president of the Apostolic Church in Nigeria, he died at the age of 90. He had no children. But when he died and he was being buried, he had 120 children that he adopted and sent to university. 120. None of his own. That he gave his name to Paid their school fees through university. 120 children. What have you done that God can remember you for? What are you doing with your money that God can remember you for? I came this morning to challenge you. As you think about giving to the Lord, think beyond now. 
Do something that will cause God to remember your future. There's some people that have given gifts that will affect even their children and their children forever. They make sacrifices. Take for example, you go to many of your village and you build a church. As long as that church stands in that place and they are praying in that place, God remembers you because you are the one who gave the people the reason to gather in that spot. Those are giving that stands for generations. Or a man goes to a village where there is no water and decides to make a bowl for that village. As long as that water flows, it's a memorial before God that you gave these people water to drink. What have you done that you can be remembered for? As we begin to give to the Lord, I want you to think about this. That your gift will either cause God to accept you or your gift will either cause God to look upon you without favor. But when you give to God with favor, like the case of Cain, I mean the case of Abel, God looked at his gift with favor and God favored him. Even though he died, his name is mentioned in the scriptures as a reference to somebody who gave to God with reference. If we're all supposed to visit the White House next week, and they say, all members of this church, all those who are present in this church today, next week you'll be privileged to meet Donald Trump. Please buy a gift for the president. How much, how much kind of gift will you buy? My goodness. Some of us will go to expensive stores, use our credit card, swipe everything to make sure we give something worthy to the president. But when it comes to giving to God, it's sometimes in church that we think about giving. Then we start looking for what to give to God. But what I want you to do is, if you are going to give to God with reference, before you step in church, you should already know what you're coming to church to give. You shouldn't depend on somebody here to motivate you to give or to tell you how you to give. You should have a relationship with God and know what you have to give before you even step into the church. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we live by faith and not by sight. What does it mean to live by sight? You are living according to what you see, what you hear, and what you feel. And so sometimes, most people don't have the ability to give. Because they're thinking, if now, because some of us are accountants, serious accountants, as our paycheck is coming, even without a calculator, we know how much all our bills are going to cost. Okay, what our bill is? 99, 94. You know cars, you know everything. Then uh, This offering, no, I cannot give offering this week because the bills are too many. As you continue to live in this human understanding, you will never give to God by faith. And you will never receive the blessing that God has for you. But you need to come to the point where it's like, I'm going to give to God before I even worry about anything I'll do with my money. That's when God shows up and begins to do things for you. I took a decision long time ago when I became a pastor. I said, I will never give God cash or offering when I was in Cameroon. I will never from like 2008, I never gave 100 francs as offering. If I give low, it's 500. The very first time I gave $1,000 as an offering, it wasn't in America. I gave it in Cameroon. So you have to come to that point. It's like God means more than money to you. I'm not giving because I have too much. I'm giving because without God, I'm nothing. Without God, I'm nothing. If I'm here today, it's God. My tomorrow is God. Everything about me is God. So I cannot even think about God like God, is, God needs my money when I'm giving. I'm giving so that I can continue to stay in the radar of his favor. Amen. Hallelujah. Think about God in that respect. And everything about your life will change. In my walk with the Lord, this is what I've realized. Anytime God wants to take me to a new level, God asks me to do something new. 
I'll tell you the story about how I went to the Bible school and I didn't have no suit at the time. All I had was shirts. I used to dress like this in the Bible school. I had no suit because it was expensive to buy a suit for me for 25000 in Cameroon. I didn't have. And then I had this expensive uh, gown that somebody gave to me from the north, like this Aguada, we call it in Cameroon. Fine material, white, pure white. And I always picture myself like that. They are preaching in a crusade. That's when I wear this one. So it was under my box, untouchable. Then one day I'm praying, I heard the Lord say to me, take that gown and give it to this pastor. And the pastor God is asking me to give this one proud pastor I don't really like. That guy is too proud for me. I don't want to even have nothing to do with this guy. And the Lord said, take that dress, that gown, and give it to him. As to show you how mad I was, I was not able to go to the guy and give it to the guy. I went to the guy's room and just threw it in his room and I left. Because I didn't want him to know that I'm the one that gave it to him. As I gave that gown, my aunts called me at the weekend. They said, where are you? I said, As I'm in school. He said, come to town, meet me. Came to the I'm taking to the teller to take measurements for suits, three suits. Then I said, so if I didn't give her that gown, this suit will not have come. As long as you keep holding on to what God is asking you to give, you're stopping yourself from the next level. When I left Bible school, I was giving out suits. I have pastors that wear suits that I gave to them because suits were just coming and just coming. But they had to obey by giving out what was most precious to me. As long as you keep holding that which you think is so precious to you, you're stopping God from doing something great in your life. Like I'm saying, giving is not just about church. God may be asking you to help somebody in your, in your neighborhood, somebody in your family, help a friend, help someone who is in need. As long as you refuse to obey that instruction, you're stopping yourself from the next level. Sometimes God will see, see somebody in need and God will tell them, pay their house rent. And then in human terms, am I their father to pay their house rent? No, obey the Lord and pay. As you obey the Lord, God will step up for you in the name of Jesus. This lady gave a testimony how she came to church. And when she was in church, the son had appendicitis that needed to be operated. And she didn't have the money to go for the operation. But she had little money. And then when she came to church, they were doing an offering for one brother who had a problem. She said, by faith, she was moved to give all she had. Now, human understanding says, this operation is going to cost maybe $1,000. Now, you have $200. Keep that $200 and keep trusting God to give you the $800 that you, you lack. But by faith, she went and gave all that she had. On the day of the operation, she said, I'm just going to go to the hospital by faith. Maybe I'll hold the hospital after. The doctor said, we have to run the scan again to confirm that the appendix is ready to be operated upon. They did the scan, appendix disappeared. No trace. Why? Because she moved by faith and gave by faith. If she had held on to that $200 or whatever amount it was, the appendix would have taken place, she would have ended up spending more. But because she gave by faith, trusting God, appendix disappeared. God is challenging us in this year, in this season, to be givers. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. To be generous people. I'm not just saying this to you to give in church, like I said. If you are going to a baby shower, a wedding, don't give to mark yourself present. Give a gift that when the couple open, they can say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for these people. Let them praise God for you by the gift you give. 
When you give to a friend, let the friend remember you by the gift you give. Wherever you go, don't just give to, to say, well, what are we going to give? You go buy a card, you, you write there, you write, oh, I love you so much, you mean so much to me, but nothing in the card. If love is just by words, you keep saying, I love you, I love you, but nothing you show for, that is fake love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, that he what? So if you are telling me you love me in the card, oh, you mean so much to me, you are so, from the day I met you, and there's nothing in that card, your love is Chinese. If you have to give something to show that you love, it has to be something that reminds the person that this is how much you mean to me. Hallelujah. Let's be givers. Let's be generous. Most people give to men more than God. And I say this by experience. I've gone to houses where I entered the house, and this is where the woman said to me, Pastor, we cook food, but we cannot give it to you. I said, why? He said, because I know a man of God, I will not eat this food. So you, you look at me in that, that caliber, but the quantity or the amount of that food, you go to church on Sunday and give God, maybe, let's say Cameroon level, you give God 200 francs an offering. When a man of God comes to your house, you, are not, you, are not, you say you are not able to give him your food, because you think that he's not worthy of that food. So it, means, it looks like you have more reverence for me than God. Because if we see God like that, we will not give God anything. So let's see God as God and give him what is due to him. Hallelujah. So whatever you are going to church, program what you are going to give to God. Don't let somebody manipulate you, you know, give you testimonies and tell you stories of how things happen. That is why in my history as a pastor, any day we have to do anything giving in church, I don't preach about giving. Because if I preach about giving, on the day I want you to give, it's manipulation. I want you to give from, Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. What does that mean? It means you see, you program what you want to give, and give out of your will. Somebody should not preach you into giving. And tell you, sow a seed, and in seven days, you're going to reap one thousand. It's a lie, it's manipulation. You have to give from your heart. Becoming what you want to give. And this one we hear on we hear on TV where people give and they never see the result of their giving because they are giving out of manipulation. You know, with your seed of $50, you sow a jubilee seed, and in seven days you receive a supernatural harvest. You hear this is on it's manipulation. Giving has to come from your heart. You sit, you look at who God is to you. You say, God, for all you've done for me, I'm giving you this. And that's when you get the blessing. But if you were going to a program, a conference, a church, without planning to give, and a man of God started preaching about giving, and you gave, it's manipulation. I always ask this question. If you were in a farm, for example, you have to plant maybe a goosey or corn. And then if you are walking in the farm, the ground starts to speak. and say, plant here, plant. Will you, will you plant in that farm? Will you, you will escape in that farm. But this is what we do. We, we, when we are planting, we, we test the soil. Right? Where you soft, we, we plant and we cover, we keep going. Where you feel a stone, you, you dodge. That is how giving is. You get to a place, you feel like, oh, God has been good to me. I'm going to give an offering. You give. But coming to, to church, you have no idea to give, no plan to give. Then a prophet comes and says, hey, I need you to sow a seed of $1,000. And in seven days, God is giving you a harvest. It's like the ground speaking to you because you were not ready to sow your seed. Now the ground is talking. It's the sower that determines the ground, not the ground that determines where the sower sows. So any giving that is built out of somebody convinced you give this for this, 
or give this for this reason is manipulation. And I want us to grow to a place where we give to God out of reverence. Hallelujah. This is Sunday. What, what am I going to give to God? You grab your offering. Nobody needs to preach you to give or motivate you to give. You give because you love God. Hallelujah. Maybe you are here this morning and you're struggling with giving. I want you to pray that God will give you the grace to give. Hallelujah. God will grant you the grace to give. I was in a conference in Tennessee when I was being ordained. And I was hearing testimonies about people. I'm like, God, I need to get to that level. And a pastor said he was building a church. A young man walked into his office and said, the Lord said I should give you this. Sign him a check of one million dollars. One million dollars is 500 million, 500 billion CFA. 500, somebody gave a check. I am, I am here struggling with 200, 300, crying to God. And somebody can sign a check. But listen, if you have that kind of heart to give, God will give you that money. If God knows I will give it to you and you give it out, there is nothing God will not give to you. But if you have become a protector of all that you have, sometimes somebody even shows up at your house to borrow money, you have it to give. Even just to say, I'm giving it to you, just use it for free. You want to borrow to that person and you have to call the person every day to remind them of the gift and the interest. <laughs> Let's come to the person who can just give to the Lord. Hallelujah. Be a blessing to people. Be a blessing to your family. Be a blessing to your friends. Think about somebody, see how you can change somebody's life every day. Hallelujah. There is this thing they call on WGTS about drive through difference. How you pay for somebody's meal behind you is amazing. How you can just bless somebody you don't know. That is what God is calling us to do. I want us to stand on our feet this morning as we pray. As we leave this place this morning, may God grant you the grace to become a giver. I say, may God grant you the grace to become a giver. You're not saying amen like you believe it. May God grant you the grace to become a giver. Amen. Amen. May God bless you to become a blessing. When God knows and bless you, you will bless other people. There is nothing God will not give to you. I want you to pray this prayer. Oh God, grant me the grace to give. Grant me the grace to give. Can somebody pray? Grant me the grace to give. Somebody talk to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, grant me the grace to give. Grant me the grace to give. Grant me the grace to give. Grant me the grace and chance of days to give. Grant me the grace, man of war, to give. Help me, my Father, to give. Grant me grace. Grant me grace. Grant me grace to give. As I leave this place today, let the power of stinginess be broken from my life. In the name of Jesus. Let the power of craftiness be broken from my life. In the name of Jesus. Be broken from my life. In the name of Jesus. Grant me the grace, oh my God, to give. As I leave this place, let my hands be open. Let my heart be open. Let my hands be open. Let my heart be open. Grant me the grace to give. Thank you, Yahweh. In Jesus' name. Can you just lift up your right hand to the Lord as we pray? Father, as we lift up these hands to you, Lord, we receive the grace to give. We receive the grace to give. The grace to be generous givers. The grace to be those that will bless people. Bless us to become a blessing. May we become a fountain of blessing to our family. A fountain of blessing to our friends. A fountain of blessing to the people we meet. A fountain of blessing to the church. Bless us to become a blessing. Thank you, Yahweh. 
Thank you, ancients of days. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go, we have these goals that we pray for every uh, Sunday. If you don't have a goal, you need to take that paper and write five things you want God to do for you in 2019. Five tangible things. If you don't have it, you can take it right now. Write five things you want God to do for you in 2019. When you write those five things, you bring it and put it here. We pray for it every Sunday. We are trusting God that by the crossover night of December, we are going to think about those things that we pray for. And we are going to see God answer all those things. I'm not saying, when I say five things, I mean five tangible things. Not things like, give me an iPhone. I need a Samsung Galaxy 9. I mean things like, I want, I want my own house this year. I need my husband this year. I need a child this year. Tangible things you want God to do for you this year. Five. And we are trusting God for it. And we know God is going to do it. Amen. Can we stand on our feet as we are going to pray? If you write yours after you drop it in this basket, and we are still going to pray for it. Amen. We are praying to close, praying for these things as we close all together. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word says be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. By this basket, by this bucket, oh God, we lift up this request to you, my God. We know you are the God who answers prayers. You say, ask and it shall be given. Seek, you shall find. And knock and it shall be opened. You say, we have not received because we have not asked. We are here today asking God. Every request in this basket, let it be granted in the name of Jesus. Let it, be a, let it be a response to every request in this basket in the name of Jesus. That by the end of this year, every request in this basket will become a testimony. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Rock of Ages. Be glorified in the name of Jesus. And Father, as we leave this place today, I decree and declare that this week will be a week of favor in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord will bless you as you go out and the Lord will bless you as you come in. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Accident is not your portion. Sickness is not your portion. No crisis shall befall you in the name of Jesus. You shall not hear any bad news this week in the name of Jesus. Let the heavens be open over you. And to this end we say, surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. You say something?